Hi friends, this is Will Dyer, the pastor here at the First Baptist Church of Augusta. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the message that you are about to hear will give you some joy in your day. But more than that, I hope that this message will connect you to Jesus. The mission of our church is to connect people to Jesus Christ in a community of faith. And it is my greatest hope that the message you are about to hear will better connect you with Jesus and His way in the world. Hi friends, I want to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles this morning to Genesis chapter 1. If you are not familiar with where Genesis is, it is on page 1. It's the very first book of the Bible. Today we are beginning a new series, From Nothing to Everything. And I'll talk more about that in just a few moments. But let's begin by reading from Genesis chapter 1. We're only going to read verses 1 to 2 this morning. So follow along with me now. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. This was only a few weeks ago, and I'm in my office with a bride and a groom, and we're discussing their upcoming nuptials. It's going to be this amazing day. Or so they thought. Because over the course of our conversation, uh, they began to just lay bare the reality that the wedding they had been dreaming of and planning for a year, maybe even two years now, simply was not going to play out the way that they thought it was going to. The bride sitting, talking to me, just begins to break down in tears as she says, Will, the, the, the caterer, has canceled on us. Will, the reception venue, has said that we can't have dancing at our reception, and they recommended that we cancel. And now I'm sitting here with you in this room, and you're telling me that on my wedding day, as I look out into the congregation of all the people that I love, that the majority of them are going to be wearing a mask? Yeah. That's what I'm telling you. And she breaks down into tears and she says to me, nothing is going the way that I planned. Nothing is going the way that I planned. If she said that once, she probably said it five times. Nothing is going the way that I planned. You know what? I think that might be the perfect way to sum up the year 2020 thus far. Nothing is going the way that we planned. School was supposed to start back in Richmond County on Monday, and yet now we're waiting till September 9th. Nothing is going the way that we planned. In Columbia County, schools did start back, and it took one day before there would COVID cases reported. Nothing is going the way that we planned. I hear from some of our senior adults who are living in active adult communities, and, and they feel like they're in prison because they're not able to leave. 
They can only get out and walk outside a few hours a day. And in these years of their retirement, friends, nothing is going the way that we planned. Yeah, I think the bride was right. That might be the perfect way to sum up 2020. College football is about to start and there will be limited fans. I can go on and on. Nothing is going the way that we planned. Uh, But you know what? As I was talking to that bride, I reminded her of something. And what I reminded her is the same thing that as we begin this new series, I want to remind you. That if you read through the stories of our scripture, if you read through the stories of our faith, of God and God's people, what I want to remind you is that God has a history of taking nothing and turning it into something beautiful. God has this incredible pattern as we go throughout the stories of faith, where God takes perceived situations of nothingness, where He takes people who have nothing to give, where He takes situations where seemingly there is absolutely no life, and He brings joy and hope and goodness. Yes, what I reminded our bride on that day, and what I want to remind each of you, whether you have children in school or you're in a retirement home, whether you are finding yourself floundering at work or simply sitting at home saying the same thing that bride said, nothing is going the way that I planned in 2020. As we begin this new series, what I want to say to you is that God has a history of taking our nothings and turning them into the most beautiful, powerful things. God takes nothing, and through His grace and His glory, He turns it into everything. And so that's what we're going to do over the course of the next four weeks, the entire month of August. We are going to look at situations where God, and oftentimes God through Jesus, His Son, can can take the worst possible situation of nothingness, of death and decay, and bring life and newness and joy out of it. Yeah, the good news for us who follow Jesus is that we can be absolutely certain God can take nothing and turn it into something beautiful. And my hope for you is that if you're watching today online or on television and you are not a follower of Jesus, that through this four-week series, what you can walk away understanding is that God can take whatever nothingness is in your life and turn it into something that is beautiful and profound. Yeah. We believe that deep down in the depths of our bones. There is not a situation that God cannot redeem. And nothing can be turned into something absolutely beautiful. And as we seek to embark on this journey together, well, it makes perfect sense that we would begin at the beginning 
not just at the beginning of this series and not just at the beginning of the Bible, but where I want to begin today is actually at the very beginning of everything itself. You all know those words, even if you don't follow Jesus, even if you didn't grow up in church and haven't been in a sanctuary or worship space in 20 years, undoubtedly, you have heard those beautiful words, those poetic words in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth. <laughs> My little girls lay with me at night in the bed and they'll oftentimes ask questions, Daddy, how did God create everything? And it has become one of my favorite responses to look at my daughters and say, you know what? Ask Miss Melissa, ask Pastor Melissa when you see her in a couple of days. Because those are enormous questions, but we all know who follow Jesus, that at the baseline of our story is this beautiful proclamation that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. And if you go on in the story, you read that God said, let there be light, and there was light, and it was good. And God creates everything that is in the whole of the cosmos. And then on the sixth day, God creates man and woman in God's image. And God puts them in the garden to look over everything that is. And on the seventh day, God rests and God looks at all of his creation. And what does God say? But it is very good. It begins with those first seven words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. <laughs> you know, there was a debate early on in the Christian tradition. How did God create? Because the Greeks, they believed one thing, summed up by Plato. Plato, the great Greek philosopher, he had this idea that God didn't create anything. But God, in God's wisdom, took pre-existent matter. So there was already stuff in the universe. And God was this grand architect who simply ordered this matter and put it in its place and then set the wheels in motion, Plato said. And he stepped back and now watches. If you have taken any college philosophy class, undoubtedly you have heard of God as the great watchmaker. A lot of the founding fathers of our country, that's how they thought of God. He, he, fought, he took the matter that was already in existence and he formed it and put it in motion, and then he stepped away from it. And in the early church, there were some who thought maybe that's what it meant when God created the heavens and the earth. <laughs> but there was another way of thinking, a way that very quickly became the dominant, the proper, I think, the orthodox way of thinking about this passage in Genesis chapter 1. 
Men like Augustine and Irenaeus, when they read Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, what they said and what they believed was that rather than there being pre-existent matter, no, no, when God created, God created from what they said is creatio ex nihilo, creation from nothing. You see, before God created the heavens and the earth, there was nothing. There simply was God. And the existence of creation itself is due to God's freedom and God's goodness. What Augustine and other early church fathers would say is that the world is dependent upon God for its existence. God spoke a word. And creation came to be. God created from nothing at all. (laughs) The Hebrew word for create, that base root of the word, it is only used in the Bible to refer to divine activity. Activity that you and I can scarcely understand and we can never, ever replicate. What Augustine said is that you and I can take clay and form it into something beautiful, but it takes God to make a universe out of absolutely nothing at all. And so from our earliest beginnings, followers of Jesus Christ have believed that God is the one who creates out of nothing, out of His goodness and His love. He creates everything that is. Out of His mercy and His goodness, God creates human beings in His image. Out of absolutely nothing at all. And God looks at what He has made and He says, It is good. My brothers and my sisters, I want you to understand that when God looks at you, created from nothing at all, what He says, regardless of your gender, regardless of your skin color, regardless of anything at all, God who formed you from what was nothing, looks at you and says, you are good. And out of nothing... God creates something profound. (laughs) I recently read a book by a man named Bill Bryson, and Bill Bryson wrote this incredible book called A Short History of Everything. Bryson is this incredible writer, and I highly, highly recommend his books to you. And this book that Bill Bryson wrote almost 20 years ago now, on its very first page, talks about this God who creates from nothing. And I want to read just a brief section to you today. This is on the very first page of the book. If you want to talk about a way to get people just hooked, listen to what Bryson says. No matter how hard you try, you will never be able to grasp just how tiny, how spatially unassuming is a proton 
it is just way too small. A proton is an infinitesimal part of an atom, which is itself, of course, an insubstantial thing. Protons are so small that a little dib of ink, like the dot on this eye, can hold something in the region of 500 trillion of them rather more than the number of seconds contained in half a million years. So protons are exceedingly microscopic, to say the very least. And now, imagine if you can, and of course you can't, shrinking one of those protons down to a billionth of its normal size, into a space so small that it would make a proton look enormous. Now, pack into that tiny, tiny space about an ounce of matter. Excellent. Now you are ready to start a universe. I'm assuming, of course, that you wish to build an inflationary universe. If you'd prefer instead to build a more old-fashioned, standard Big Bang universe, you'll need additional materials. In fact, you will need to gather up everything there is, every last moat and particle of matter between here and the edge of creation, and squeeze it into a spot so infinitesimally small that it has no dimensions at all. It is known as a singularity. In either case, get ready for a really big bang. Naturally, you'll wish to retire to a safe space to observe the spectacle. Unfortunately, there is nowhere to retire because outside the singularity, there is no where. When the universe begins to expand, it won't be spreading out to fill a larger emptiness. The only space that exists is the space it creates as it goes. It is natural but wrong to visualize the singularity as a kind of pregnant dot hanging in a dark, boundless void. But there is no space, no darkness. The singularity has no around around it. There is no space for it to occupy, no place for it to be. We can't even ask how long it has been there, whether it has just lately popped into being like a good idea or whether it has been there forever, quietly waiting the right moment. Time doesn't exist. There is no past for it to emerge from. And so... Our universe begins from nothing. In a single blinding pulse, a moment of glory, much too swift and expansive for any form of words, the singularity assumes heavenly dimensions, space beyond conception. In the first lively second, a second that many cosmologists will devote careers to shaving into ever finer wafers, is produced gravity and other forces that govern physics. In less than a minute, the universe is a million billion miles across and growing fast. There's a lot of heat now, 10 billion degrees of it, enough to begin the nuclear reactions that create the lighter elements, principally hydrogen and helium, with a dash, about one atom in a hundred million, of lithium. In three minutes, 98% of all the matter there is or will ever be has been produced. We have a universe. It is a place of the most wondrous and gratifying possibility and beautiful too. And it was all done in about the time it takes to make a sandwich from nothing.
to a universe that is exceedingly beautiful and poignant and good, and it all happened in about the time it takes to make a sandwich. <laughs> yes, we believe that this God can create something out of nothing. And Bryson uses the language of science, but we, in using the language of poetry and of God, say it like this, that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and it all happened out of absolutely nothing. <laughs> Friends, I, I bring these points up to you because it is incredibly important for us to know that creation from nothing whether you are looking at it from the view of science or from the lens of faith, what I want you to know today is that creation from nothing, that beautiful doctrine tells us that life is a gift. From something so infinitesimally small, to all there ever is or will be. From nothing to something, what we believe as followers of Jesus Christ is that this life is a gift. And the doctrine of creation says that a good God took nothing at all and He made it into something profound. Listen to me today, friends. There was nothing, and from nothing there came this beautiful sun that lights our days and makes us so angry in August in Augusta, Georgia, and my friends, it is a gift. And there was nothing. And from that nothing, there became a neighbor who greets you with a smile on his face or sometimes a scowl as he makes his way to the mailbox. And he, too, is a gift. From absolutely nothing at all, there was something. There was light and there was life and there was water and there was land and there were fish and there were animals from nothing at all. There was me. And there was you. And it is a gift. God creating from nothing, gives us this vast expanse of reality. And what I want each and every one of us who are watching today, what I want us to understand is that it is good. No, it's not just good. It's very good. Friends, this life, this precious 
beautiful life is a gift. And I woke up this morning and I took my first breath and I smelled that coffee that was percolating. And I took that first sip and my friends, it is a gift. The doctrine of creation from nothing tells us one fundamental thing about this universe we live in and that it is a gift. I hope that you know that today. When I was in high school, I took a physical science class and my teacher was a man named Coach Hardis. Coach Hardis was the wrestling teacher. And as a 15-year-old boy, I was not exactly a model student. As a matter of fact, oftentimes I would lean up against the cinder block wall beside me and I would fall asleep. And I would wake up to Coach Hardis throwing paper balls at my head. For those of you that have students like me and you are teachers, I'm sorry. But in Coach Hardis's physical science class, there was always one lecture that would grab my attention, and it was when he would talk about cosmology. And in our physical science textbook, there was one chapter on the solar system. And on this chapter on the solar system, you guys remember what that looks like, right? I'm going to pull a picture up for you so you can remember that classroom picture of your solar system. There was the sun, and there was Mercury and Venus. There was Earth and Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune. And when I was in school and when the majority of you were in school, Pluto was still a planet. And if you're anything like me, you were taught this beautiful, um, I don't even remember what you call it, a word game, to remember the order of our planets in the solar system. My very excellent mother just served us nine pizzas. Yeah, that's how you know where the planets are. And, and, and on this picture, in my science textbook, you had the sun and all nine planets. And they were laid out right beside each other. And they were fairly proportional, some a little larger than the others, but all roughly equidistant, one from the next. But I have to tell you, that really isn't true that if you want to get the full scale of the, the dimensions of our universe, you can't just crunch it down onto one sheet of paper. No, if you want to get the full scale of Earth's proximity to Mars and Mars' proximity to Jupiter and so on and so forth, actually, friends, you're going to need a whole lot more paper. Uh, let's just assume for a moment that you can shrink Earth down to the size of a pea and put it on one eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper. Well, before you get to Jupiter, you're going to need a few more sheets because Jupiter on this life-size scale is now a thousand feet away from Earth. And if you think that's far, we're actually going to have to go much, much further in order to get to Pluto. Because Pluto, on this life-size scale of our solar system, is now a mile and a half away 
And if you remember properly on our two-scale solar system in our science class book, Pluto is at the edge of our solar system. But again, I have to tell you, that isn't true. Because according to the best of our science, what we now understand is that in our solar system, you get to Pluto, and then, friends, you're only one fifty-thousandth of the way to the edge. Not just the edge of our solar system, not just the edge of our universe, but the edge of only our solar system. Will, why are you telling us all of this? Well, friends, I'm telling you this because I want you to know something. That the universe is massive. That the universe is larger than most anything we could ever, ever begin to comprehend with our minds. And God created it from nothing. It, my friends, is a gift. When you consider just how beautiful, just how large, just how profound the handiwork of God is, my friends, it should blow your mind. And if it blows your mind, you're not alone. If you want to go back in the story of Scripture and go back to the greatest king of Israel outside of Jesus, there's this man named David. And uh, faith tells us that David wrote the majority of this book that we call the book of Psalms, songs and prayers that are offered to God. And there's one psalm in particular, Psalm 8, where David looks at creation where David looks up at the stars of the sky and the expanse of the heavens. And Scripture tells us that David breaks into song. I want to read to you Psalm chapter 8. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? human beings that you care for them. You've made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all the flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim in the paths of the sea. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Out of nothing, God created this massive, inspiring, all filled beautiful thing that we call the universe. God created the heavens and the earth and all that is in it. In His majesty and His glory, God created from nothing. 
absolutely everything that is. And it leads David to proclaim, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. When you consider just how big creation is, the universe, just simply our solar system, it should take your breath away, and God created it from nothing. But not only did God create that from nothing, the great insight of David that I want to share with you today is that God also created you. And God created me. God, when I consider the work of your hands, who are we that you are mindful of us and yet you've crowned us with glory and given us dominion over all of creation? Yes, out of nothing God created the universe, but what I want you to hear today is that God created you. And when God fashioned you, he said, you are good. God can create the most excellent things out of nothing at all. God can create tremendous beauty and things of power and majesty and authenticity. But what the creation story tells us is that at the pinnacle of it all, God created you. And you, my friends, like creation itself, you are this incredible gift given by God to the world so that we might go out and share our light and share our lives. But it begins by fundamentally recognizing that out of nothing, God made everything, and it is good, and it is true, and it is right. It is a gift. Yeah. God can create something out of nothing. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is talking to this mishmash of humanity, this group of people that have gathered together to hear what is one of the greatest sermons, not one of, it is the greatest sermon that has ever been preached in the history of time. And right in the middle of this sermon, there's this section where Jesus is looking at these people and he says, what are you worried about? Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about what you will eat or what you will drink or what you'll wear. Jesus says, look at the birds of the field. Look at the birds of the sky. They don't worry about these things. And yet God takes care of them. Look at the flowers of the field. Look at how beautiful they are. Not even Solomon, the greatest king of Israel, in all of his majesty, could match the beauty of one of these flowers, and yet it is here today and it is gone tomorrow. How much more will God take care of you? 
You know, I think what Jesus is saying is that in the midst of feeling like our lives are reduced to nothing and things just aren't going the way we imagined them to do, it is good for us every once in a while, my friends, to stop and to simply look around at the world that God has created, to see that it is good and to recognize that out of nothing we have this gift. A lot of us, we're like that bride and nothing in our lives is going the way we planned it. A lot of us are in these situations where we are so stressed because the nothingness of the school year is just causing massive amounts of anxiety or the nothingness of trying to go and get that job fresh out of college is driving you insane. And I could go on and on and on, but the question I really want to ask you today is this. Where is the nothingness? Where is the nothing in your own life? Where is that thing where you just cannot see life? You just cannot see possibility. And the challenge for us today as followers of Jesus is to see that out of the very belly of nothingness itself, God creates life. And God creates joy. And God creates wonder. God gives a gift. Do you believe? Where is your nothing? And today I want you to trust that God will bring something good out of that very thing. You know, I have a challenge for you this week as we begin this series where we each week are going to look at how God takes the worst situations and brings out beauty and wonder. This week, I have a challenge. Either early in the morning or late at night, I want you to just get up and walk outside. Walk outside and just for a few moments, look up into the sky or look out over the ocean and consider the fact that once there was nothing and now there is this gift given to us by God, God Himself. Your life, my life, everything that was and everything that will be, my friends, from nothing. Because this life is a gift. Let's take a moment now and let's pray together. Lord, we are grateful for this morning for the opportunity to come and gather together. For many of my friends watching God, they are experiencing the anxiety of nothing. They're experiencing the worry of nothing. And God help them to see today that out of situations of nothing, you can bring everything. 
And no matter where my friends find themselves today, O oh Lord, help them to know that out of nothing you gave this gift. God, may you open our eyes so that we might see. May you open our ears that we might hear. And may you open our hearts so that we might believe the gospel and live. It is a gift, O oh God. This is our prayer, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.